Northern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Um, and I'm going to ask you right at the outset to make sure your cell phones are turned off. Uh, so I don't forget to do that. My name is Muriel Mello, and I'm from the University of Lethbridge, and it's my pleasure today to be the moderator for this session. We are going to be recording this session, so I hope that's all right with everyone. And I've got, before I introduce our speaker for today, I've got a number of items to run through, as we usually do, about the process for this afternoon. Um, we are going to have lunch in due course, and I'm going to remind you at this point to make sure that you put in your $10 for lunch in the baskets on the center of the tables and ask someone at each table to count the funds uh, before the end, uh, before it gets submitted to SACPOF. Uh, Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs is a volunteer nonprofit organization with quite a long and interesting history in this community, uh, and relies on the contributions of members and session attendees to continue its work. We want to acknowledge some partners that help make these sessions par uh, possible on a weekly basis. First, the University of Lethbridge for its support, which includes the distribution of notices. And secondly, a thank you to Country Kitchen Catering for preparing the lunch each week. The format for today's meeting goes as follows. We have about 25 to 30 minutes for the presentation. We then follow that with lunch, and we invite you to discuss what you've heard from our presenter during that time and perhaps formulate some questions for later on. So the presentation, then another 30 minutes for lunch, and finally, Time for the question period. Again, about half an hour, and we'll wrap up around 1.30. So, that's the format. And now I get to the truly exciting part, which is to introduce the speaker. It's my delight to introduce you to Ms. Tamara Larter. Tamara is going to talk on the topic of prostitution, should the oldest profession in the world be legislated. She's going to look at the difference between leg uh, legislation and decriminalization uh, and look at various governmental policies related to this. She's also going to highlight the immediate effects, the real and immediate effects these policies have on the day-to-day -day lives of sex trade workers. This presentation relates to thesis research that she's doing for an MA in sociology at the University of Lethbridge. And that's partly how I know her, because I teach in sociology. Um, and her thesis, to thesis topic, the title, quite controversial, I think, or interesting, interesting turn of phrase, More Than a Whore, and it's an analysis of the murder of sex trade workers in the Edmonton area. And she's looking at actually how they are, that the stories about those murders, right, are constructed within newspaper accounts. She's got research interests in the area of gender, sexuality, public policy, and discourse. Um, and I think she will bring to us today a very interesting presentation and thought-provoking uh, presentation. We're also delighted because she's doing this in the week when CBC Radio out of Calgary has been doing a five-part series on the sex trade in Calgary. And I, that's on CBC Radio 1 uh, in the morning on their morning program. So if you've been listening to that, this is a great kind of... Um, bonus, and if you haven't been listening to that, I think they've got one more session tomorrow morning. So, without further ado, please welcome Tamara Larter. 
Uh, don't feel bad if you haven't been listening to that radio series. I myself have been missing it, and apparently I should not be. I guess it's quite good. Um, so I'm here, yeah, to talk about whether or not um, sex, the sex trade should be legislated. Um, I've put how in brackets. Oh, am I too loud or am I too, or am I too tall? I'll get you tall. So not only should it be legislated, but how. So that's why I've thrown how in there. Um, so the different um, options in terms of legislation are criminalization, legalization, and decriminalization, all of which I'll explain to you during the course of this presentation. So for those of you who don't know, sex work is actually not illegal here in Canada. Uh, we don't have any legislation regarding the actual sale of sex for money or other goods and services. Um, but all the actions surrounding how you might go about doing that business are, in fact, illegal. So solicitation, whether you're the sex trade worker offering the services or the client approaching, um, interested in purchasing them, that's totally illegal here in Canada. Um, our legislation refers to brothels as common body houses, and I kind of like the play on words with body, so I kind of like that legislation. Um, but those are also illegal. And um, living off the avails of prostitution is also illegal. So basically what this means is if you're um, a single mother or a woman in a partnership, um, you can't support your family with any money that you make in the sex trade or the people that you're living with can be interpreted by the law as being basically pimps, as living off of the trade. Okay, So that's the law here in Canada. Uh, if you have any questions about that, feel free to ask me later on. So um, I'm going to start with a discussion on criminalization because this is common. It's not common in the most number of countries, but it is uh, the legislation that affects the greatest population um, around the world. So I'm just going to go over definition, countries, reasons, and consequences quickly. So criminalization basically means that there's legislation in place making prostitution illegal, the exchange of sexual acts for money or other goods illegal. So Canada doesn't technically fall into the criminalization category. Um, but it may also include legislation against soliciting, again, the common body houses, uh, living off the avails of prostitution, pimping, and other related activities. Um, there's also a lot of crossover here in terms of human trafficking, child exploitation, forced prostitution, um, etc. So here's a list of some countries where sex work is illegal. Uh, you'll notice South Africa, Thailand, and USA are highlighted. Those are the three I'm just going to quickly talk about to give you an idea of the different laws. Um, but there's quite a number. I think a lot of people are actually kind of shocked to see Thailand on that list, so we'll get there. So the USA, our nearest neighbors. Um, so sex work is, in fact, illegal in all 50 states, um, it, but there are 11 counties in Nevada where it has been legalized, um, and in eight of these counties, which are all rural, there are brothels operating, um, but again, these are rural counties. Clark County, which is where Las Vegas is, um, sex work remains illegal. So 90% of the population in Nevada still lives in a place where it is illegal. So we always hear about Nevada as the place where it's legalized, but that's kind of a misinterpretation or um, an overemphasis on the very small amount, the small area where it's legalized. Um, something interesting in the news, why I think this is an important topic is countries are actually considering their legislation, making changes, um, talking to the public about what might work better than the current situation. In Rhode Island in 2009, they made the actually actual selling and purchasing illegal, right? So this is different of what we have here in Canada. Um, 
the illegal sex trade is estimated to generate $14 billion a year. This is one of the major arguments in favor of legalizing or decriminalizing prostitution is that then the government can collect taxes off of it and uh, use that to fund social programs and that sort of thing. Um, so the states, the laws vary from state to state, but the national average punishments um, in terms of anti-prostitution laws are about seven months in prison and about a $1,400 fine, um, which, interestingly enough, anti-John laws are quite similar. Um, however, most of the prosecution that takes place of people working in the sex trade is against the women supplying, not the men purchasing. Um, I also think this little last point is kind of just an interesting little fact. In 2004, the number of U.S. prostitution-related arrests ranged from four, over 14,000 in California to just three in Vermont. So that shows you just how different the states can be in terms of actually applying these laws. Um, South Africa just changed some of their laws in 2003, but the legislation regarding adults working in the trade has been in place since 1957. So they haven't changed for a long time, which is why I've chosen to talk about them. Um, it's the Sexual Offenses Act of 1957. Basically, it makes all parts of the sex trade illegal. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to read this one part because it's all law talk. Of particular interest is Section 21A of the Sexual Offenses Act, which provides that any person who has unlawful intercourse, which would be intercourse outside of marriage, or commits an act of indecency for, with any person... Um, for reward, in other words, for money, is guilty of an, of an offense. So this is actually only legislating against the women selling, right? The ones who are doing it for the money, not the ones who are giving the money. Um, again, so or the Amendment Act of 2007, it didn't um, address adult prostitution, but it did focus on things like human trafficking and child prostitution. And Thailand, believe it or not, Sex work is illegal in Thailand, no matter how popular the sex tourism industry might be. And it has been so since 1928. Um, and then it was strengthened again in 1960. Um, however, despite its illegal status, very little is done to police the industry. Again, the government recognizes that all the tourists coming there to partake in sex tourism are also bringing a lot of other money to other businesses. So very little is done to actually enforce these laws. Um, so again, despite the continued illegality of prostitution in Thailand, the punishment um, for conviction are comparatively minor. For example, a conviction of solicitation, so that'd be offering to sell or purchase sex, comes with a maximum fine of about $32 Canadian. So for people who are going there as sex tourists, this isn't much of a deterrent. I'm sure if they can afford the flight to Thailand, they can afford to pay a $32 fine. Um, and again, I mentioned there that the government is drawn in by the the opportunity for profit. So these are a lot of arguments given as to why sex work should remain criminalized. I'll tell you right now I don't agree with them, but I'll explain why later. Um, but these are the most common arguments that you're probably familiar with. Basically, the idea that selling sex alienates women from their own bodies, it commodifies women, it commodifies sexuality. Um, there's sort of an urban myth that prostitution is one of the leading um, causes of the spread of AIDS and other sexually transmitted infections. <laughs> Research has shown that this is actually not true at all. The biggest group um, spreading 
STIs and AIDS is my age group, uh, about 20 to 25, basically college kids. That's, that's who's spreading STIs. It's not sex trade workers. Um, but there's a belief that if it's legalized, then prostitution will become more rampant and the spreading of these diseases will become worse. Um, there's an argument that the redefinition of prostitution as commercial sex work, you'll hear me switch between these two, but I, de- I generally refer to it as sex work or the sex trade. Um, it's just an attempt to legitimize sex trafficking. Um, it's important to remember, though, that the legalization or decriminalization of sex work doesn't decriminalize or legalize the trafficking in human beings. Those are two completely different issues. Um, Legalization implies that buying sex from a woman is legally and socially acceptable and that it's common, right? So it's like, well, if it's legal, I guess everyone's doing it. I guess it's okay if I do it as well. This is sort of a poor argument. We can think about smoking. Smoking's totally legal, but there's still plenty of stigma around smokers, right? You're like, oh, yeah, it might be legal, but society continues to frown on it. Um, And again, that legalization or decriminalization will lead to a boom in the industry. So by keeping it criminalized, we can sort of help control the the prominence of sex work. So I probably touched on most of these during that last little rant, but (laughs) um, so there are a lot of consequences for sex trade workers that go along with this criminalization. Um, Basically, freedom of association um, and freedom from discrimination based on occupation um, are hampered by the criminalization. For example, here in Canada, though sex work is technically not illegal, it is illegal to solicit. And if you have two or three women all working on the same street, they're going to attract more attention, more likely police attention. So women tend to work alone, which means that they're not there to watch out for each other. Um, Before this legislation was in place, um, for example, in the 70s, women would often work in pairs, and when their co-worker would get into a car with with a client, they would make note of the license plate number or they would take down um, a description of what the client looked like so that if their friend doesn't come back from, from that contract, they can report it to the police. Working alone, of course, you don't have someone to do that for you. Um, it also makes sex trade workers distrustful of police officers. For example, if a sex trade worker is sexually assaulted, it's a lot harder to go to the police and say, I was raped while I was out hooking because they face consequences for them for their own selves, right? It's like, well, we can look into that, but we're also going to arrest you for being involved in prostitution. Um, so as a result, um, incidences of violence go unreported, and so those gentlemen who are committing those violent acts remain on the street and are free to offend again and again. Um, again, yeah, women working alone... Um, and again, women have to arrange the contracts quickly. You can't just, you know, stand, we all have this image of, you know, leaning over a car window and talking to the guy and arranging what acts are actually going to take place and how much you're going to charge and that sort of thing. You just have to sort of hop in the car and go for it. So you have less of an opportunity to, to size the clients up to see if you get a good or bad vibe off of them and that sort of thing. Um, and with it being illegal, sex work gets pushed to isolated and marginalized areas of the city. We hear this all the time. Oh, I don't really have a problem with sex work, but not in my neighborhood, not in my backyard. So women end up working in industrialized areas. Once again, there's fewer witnesses if they go missing. There's fewer people to turn to if they experience violence while on the job. Finally, um, there's no access to health and safety benefits, right? We all, hopefully, while we're working, have some sort of health benefit plan, workers' compensation, uh, you know, health and safety committees. Every company has a health and safety committee. Um, but with the sex trade being illegal, they don't have any of that. There's no access to, <clears throat> excuse me, 
to um, dental coverage or medical coverage, um, or if they need time off, leave of absence. There's no maternity leave. So it further entrenches women in the trade and makes it that much harder for them to leave the trade should they wish to. Um, again, so it decreases accessibility to social services. We'll quickly talk about legalization. This is a poster um, advertising. Uh, it's from Slovakia. I just kind of like It's very classic, the red leather boots. <laughs> so the legalization of prostitution takes on a number of different forms, depending on what country we're talking about. But the common feature is that they're all regulated by some sort of government legislation. Um, so this will often be zones of tolerance, right? The red light districts, or it's okay to work in this area of town. Or legalization of brothels, um, but the brothels are required. You have to apply for a business license, which is fair. But the women working there also have to register as sex trade workers, which becomes a label that they carry with them, whether they stay in the trade or not. So here are a few places where sex work is legal and regulated. Um, and again, I'll talk about the ones in bold there. Um, so the Netherlands falls under this one. I'm not going to talk about the Netherlands because there's a lot of coverage of that, and they're actually looking at repealing their laws. So who knows how long it will remain legal there. But Australia is kind of a neat, neat example. Depending on what state you're in in Australia, sex work might be decriminalized, legalized, or criminalized. Um, they can't make up their minds. So in the Australian Capital Territory, um, as of 1992, you can have brothels, but the brothels have to register. Um, and if you want more than one person working in the brothel, if you want to work alone, you don't have to register. But again, this gets in the way of women being able to work in groups to protect each other and prevent violence. Um, but street working remains illegal, which tends to be the case in most of these countries where it is legalized. That's brothels that are legalized, but not street work. Um, the Northern Territory, you have to apply for a license. And the license actually, it's very difficult to get this license. So it might be legalized, but they don't give out that many of them. Um, first of all, if you're under 18, you can't get one. That's fair enough, right? It's, it's one thing to support adult prostitution. It's a completely different thing when we start talking about child prostitution. Um, but basically, if you have any criminal record at all, you can't get one of these licenses. So... It's sort of lip service to say that it's legalized there, because while it's legalized, there are very few opportunities to be able to operate that sort of business. Um, Queensland, again, you have to apply for a license, which is fair if you're running a business. I mean, we all need business licenses, regardless of what the topic might be. Um, but again, public soliciting is illegal. This includes street walking, but it also includes advertising. So you can run a business, but you can't advertise it. So uh, I was reading an article on this, and the lady said, I guess you just have to advertise by telepathy, but I don't know how well that's actually going to work. Um, Tasmania, um, again, it's legal, but you can only work alone. So this legalization isn't actually making the trade any safer, safer for the women who are involved in it. Victoria, um, you can have a brothel up to six rooms. So they're actually a little bit more lenient. It's either easier to get licensing there, and you can work in groups. So that's a, a slightly more ideal situation. South Australia, prostitution is illegal in all forms. New South Wales is completely decriminalized. So that means all forms, street work, brothels, escorts, all legalized. Um, living off the avails, that's okay. You're, you can support your family on your earnings. Um, and interestingly, pimping is actually legalized there, or decriminalized, I guess. So it's okay to, you can't coerce women into working into the trade, but you can help them to 
grow their business and find clients. <laughs> Germany, this is another, uh, this is a good European example. Again, in prostitution, brothel ownership, and pimping, again, are all legal. Um, but cities have the right to zone off certain areas. So this is where, again, you get into the, it's okay for there to be prostitution in the city, but not in our own neighborhoods. So they often end up working um, on the outskirts of the city where they're still, um, they still face threats of violence, definitely. Um, also, um, one of the benefits is sex trade workers can work as regular employees under contract, so they know how much they're going to be getting paid, they're going to have health benefits, they have access to different sort of um, social services and uh, medical benefits, like regular employees, um, and they have to pay income tax, but they have to pay it in advance because they it's a lot like um, servers here, right? They don't always claim the amount that they make on tips. So the German government has gotten around this by saying, okay, well, you have to pay your taxes in advance, and if you end up overpaying your taxes, too bad. You don't get a refund on that. So it's basically a fee that you have to pay. And Venezuela. I'm trying to cover all different areas of the world. Um, again, prostitution, brothel ownership, and pimping are all legal, but sex workers have to carry an identity card indicating that they are, in fact, sex workers, and a card showing when they've had their last mandatory health checkup. Again, this feeds into the idea that sex trade workers are vectors for disease. Um, so they have to undergo... Um, in Venezuela, it's every 30 days. They have to undergo a health check for STDs. Um, but again, despite all of that being legalized, Venezuela retains very strict laws con um, concerning forced prostitution and child prostitution, which I think is important to remember to come back to because this often gets forgotten in this debate is just because sex work is legal, that doesn't make human trafficking legal, that doesn't make child prostitution legal. So that's something that I think it's always important to come back to. And there are actually fairly severe punishments in terms of four to eight years in jail um, for um, making money off of the sexual activities of minors or for coercing people into the trade. So these are a lot of the arguments in favor of legalization. I've just covered some. You might be able to come up with more, and I would love to hear them, actually. Um, legalization allows governments to more effectively address problems of forced work, child prostitution, human trafficking, that in a criminalized system take place in the shadows. So if you have people working legally, it's, the theory is that it will be easier to keep track of the people who are working illegally, right? If you have sex trade workers who have to register, and you come across someone who's not registered, they're doing something illegal, you can follow them and hopefully combat these issues. Uh, mandatory health checks. There's no situation where the health checks are mandatory for the clients anywhere in the world. Only the sex trade workers have to be tested. If you know anything about physiology or biology, you'll know that STIs, like 90% of the time, are transferred from men to women and not the other way around. Because of the nature of our sexual organs, women's organs are open tissues. They're more easy to absorb um, the, the diseases. Men's organs are closed off skin, so it's actually quite difficult for a woman to pass a, sex trade, a sex, sexually transmitted infection onto a man. This is also the case for AIDS. Um, organized, regulated brothels can be better controlled to prevent violence against and abuse of workers. This would be true if brothels were allowed to be more than one person, but as you saw, there's a lot of countries where women are only allowed to operate brothels alone. Um, oh, and I have a spelling mistake there. Sex workers are able to pay taxes, not takes, 
Um, in turn, receiving employment benefits, retirement benefits, and et cetera. Uh, regulating organizations, so these would be the, the licensing organizations, the ones that women register with, can ensure that only women over 18 are working in the trade legally, right? <laughs> if you're 17 and you want to be a sex trade worker, you just don't register. So I don't know if that's the best argument. Uh, women can work in brothels rather than on the street where they're more likely to experience violence and exploitation. However, much of the time in brothels, women have no choice over who their clients are. They have no choice over the acts that they perform. I'm being told to hurry up. <laughs> All right, decriminalization. So sex work is not regulated by the government. Sex trade workers do not have to register with any agencies or undergo regular medical checkups. Sex workers operate as a form of free enterprise. So they still have to have business licenses. Crimes relating to trade, again, trafficking of humans, drug use, public nuisance, um, are dealt with under their own laws that aren't, that aren't meant to directly affect the lives of sex trade workers except to make them better. Bangladesh, El Salvador, Indonesia, and New Zealand I've only included countries that do not have any regulations. Interestingly, in Bangladesh, prostitution, brothels, and pimping are all decriminalized unless you're a man because they still have laws in the books against homosexuality. New Zealand, um, these were all decriminalized in 2003. Again, this is why this topic is important. Governments are changing their laws right now as we're sitting here in this room. Things are changing. Um, they have to have an operator certificate, a lot like restaurants have to have food licenses and health checks and all that sort of thing, just to make sure that the business is running properly. Um, there are standard health and safety laws like we have in most of our jobs. And it, again, it still remains a crime to coerce someone. Reasons that decriminalization should be supported. Uh, here's a quote here from Catherine Healy. Um, she's part of the New Zealand Prostitutes Collective, since the change in the law, people feel that they can approach the police and report violence, and it has changed the dynamics between sex workers and clients. When it's decriminalized, women can go to police if they experience violence, which means the clients know that the women can go to police if they experience violence, which means they're more likely to behave themselves. Um, it has the potential to lead to less discrimination. If we treat sex work as a regular job, then maybe we can combat the, the stigmatization that goes along with it. Um, another quote here, prostitution is a combination of sex and the free market. Which are you against? So this is one of the most common arguments for decriminalization. It doesn't go against anything that we support otherwise, but there seems to be a com combining the two is what people seem to have a problem with. Decriminalization does not remove the ability to prosecute violence against women, drug trafficking, human trafficking, child prostitution, etc. It does, however, allow women working in the trade to work without fear of prosecution against themselves. And criminalization hasn't worked. It's always been intended to somehow minimize the violence women experience or to even get rid of the trade. It hasn't worked, so maybe it's time to try something else. This is a long quote, but I'm going to read it anyway. Um, but whether or not we approve of sex work or would want our daughters to be thus employed, the moral argument for condemnation starts to fall apart when we consider the conditions of abuse suffered by real women working in the industry Criminalization has been as unsuccessful in dismantling the sex industry as it has been in eliminating the drug trade and preventing back-alley abortions. Sex work is here to stay, and by recognizing it as paid labor, governments can guarantee fair treatment as well as safe and healthy work environments, including overtime and vacation pay, control over condom use, and the right to collective bargaining or unionizing. So I just have some points here about legalization versus decriminalization. I think these sorts of things might actually come up during question periods, so I'm just going to skip them. So here's a map of Europe. 
The green is where the sex work is regulated. Blue areas are where the exchange of sex for money is legalized, but other activities are illegal. So Canada would be blue on, if it was on this map. And the red is where all forms of prostitution are illegal. Again, you see South America, it's actually prostitution is mostly legal in South America. Sort of interesting. People like maps, I guess. <laughs> and I'm going to actually leave these up while we have lunch, if that's okay. These are just some interesting little-known facts about prostitution. One I want to read out that I think is neat is, in Japan, prostitution is legal, but selling non-coital sex acts is okay. So as long as there's no penetration, it's allowed. I don't know how they can possibly police that. I guess they have to be in the bedrooms. Anyway, thank you.